you know what I should have asked my guest this week? I should have asked her, how do you cure an ailing voice? Welcome to Close Up. I'm Kelly Carter. And yes, I'm still sick. You know what? Listen, I'm no gambler. But if I were, surely I would have cleaned up for accurately guessing that Anjanou Ellis would be in the mix for an Oscar nomination for her role in King Richard, and it's about time. Anjanou has been killing it for years. She's absolutely melted into characters and films like Ray. She absolutely destroyed it in Ava DuVernay's best work, When They See Us, where she portrayed a mother of the Central Park Five. You left a child unaccompanied by a guardian or a lawyer for hours. But for me, Andrew proved that she could carry a film when she brought Dr. Maddie Moss Clark to life in the Clark Sisters biopic. Y'all got gifts to make you stars, but I'm gonna make you stars for Jesus. I'm biased because I'm from Detroit and I got my reporter chops covering the Clark family. So I felt very close to that story. So I was hypercritical and I was looking for anything slightly amiss in that film. I found only greatness. Finally, this industry paid attention to Ingenue for her work in HBO's now defunct Lovecraft Country. But really for me, it's her work in King Richard that is her most transformative. Look, she had a tall task here. She had to play the mother of Venus and Serena Williams, who obviously are two of the greatest athletes of all time. And she not only had to do that, but she had to do it while acting against Will Smith, who is a global movie superstar. And he also, by the way, turned in his best performance as the patriarch of the Williams family. There is so much to love about Ingenue. But here's something that I want you guys to know. The exceptional talent that we see on screen is perfectly matched by her passion for anti-racism work. And oftentimes, the two worlds meet. In a lot of ways, that goes way back to her days as an undergrad at a historically black college, Tougaloo, which you'll hear more about in just a moment. And as we always do on Close Up, you'll go inside my group chat with my buddies. Today, I've got Courtney Wells and Carla Renata with me. And we'll talk more about that hotly contested Best Supporting Actress category and our expectations of the historical female-fueled Oscar host lineup. Really excited about that one. But first, here's my chat with Miss Anjanou Ellis. I want to start by going back. You know, I've read about your experience at Tougaloo, which of course is a historically black college in Jackson, Mississippi, of all places. And I read how that really left an impression on you. And that's been evident, I think, with the anti-racism activism you've done in recent years. Tell me about those Tougaloo days. What did you see and experience that really stuck with you? My Tougaloo days. Um, Well, Tougaloo is... um, the Mecca of the freedom rights movement, uh, period. Um, and the, the evidence of that is that it was literally uh, the meeting ground for Fannie Lou Hamer, for Martin Luther King, for James Brown. Mm-hmm. So when I, went to, when I went to school there, that was, of course, in the back of my mind. And I had an awareness that when I walked on those grounds, those were the footsteps that I was walking in. 
Um, and you know, I, I, I did some things while I was there <laughs> trying to follow in that tradition, you know, forming this women's group and we were we didn't know what the heck we were doing, girl. I can't even, I can't even, you know, but I knew we got together though. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yes. We got together. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I cannot, you know, I can't say enough about how formative Tougaloo was and still is in my life in terms of, you know, what I try to do as an agitator um, and as, you know, creative person in some sort of way. Was the intention when you first got to Tougaloo to become an actor or were you thinking you were going to go in a different direction? No, you know, not not at all. I mean, you know, I I um, came to Tougaloo and was, you know, going to follow in, you know, the tradition of so many people in my family and so many mm-hmm. black folks from where I'm from, which is you go to college, you get your master's degree, and either you become a teacher or a lawyer. And if you do really, really well, you know, and really yeah. want to do well by your people, you know, you go to medical school, you know, yeah. it's just tradition, you know. Yeah. And so, and, and you know, tradition because people are choosing things that they think would help them be contributors to their families and mm. contributors to their community. Um, and certainly me choosing to be an actor <laughs> was not going to be <laughs> in that path. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that was not going to be the thing to do to bring up my folks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think if my family heard me say that I was raised in poverty, they would be stunned that I would say something like that. But mm. that's the truth. When I came to live with my grandmother, I think if I didn't come to live with my grandmother, I I don't think that she would have had to go on public assistance. Mm. You know, my grandmother had to stand in line for peanut butter and cheese. And if it were not for me, my grandmother could have subsisted on the garden that she had in her backyard and the the fields where we still planted, you know, corn and, and peas and that kind of thing. But she had me. She had another mouth to feed. Um, so she had to do what she had to do. And, um, for me, it just was not a responsible thing to, to choose any path that was uncertain, no matter acting, whatever it was, it was irresponsible for me to, to, to do something like that. And then beyond that, I had no designs on being an actor, um, and did not for a very long time. Someone else saw that part of me and wanted to nurture that, and they did. He was this man from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He lived to be 99 years old. He died a few months ago. Oh, wow. I'm and, so sorry to hear um, that. Yeah, yeah. He was, you know, my gift, my gift. Mm-hmm. And he and he saw that I should be some someone who peddles in the creative, right? He saw that, and he he nourished that. And, but it really wasn't until about 10 years ago when I, when I was constantly seeing these pay stubs that came from this acting profession Mm. that I said that, okay, I, this is what I do. Mm. This is my profession now. I love that. Cause I was going to ask, was, was it that you, the pay stubs are one thing, but did you feel like, was there a particular role that you had 10 years ago that made you feel firmly cemented into this discipline? I think when... It started when I started doing things that I really 
was having fun doing, you know, and I was like, oh, I, this is, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of time, for a long, for a very long time, first of all, I was taking myself far too seriously for a 20 year old, you know? So in my <laughs> 20s, I was just too much for myself. In a lot of my 30s, I was too much for myself. And so when I got, you know, when I about, when I turned 40, late 30s, early 40s, I started doing things that I just really liked and enjoyed. I had a great time doing the help. I had an amazing time doing Ray. I bet she don't do this. Wait, wait, hold on. Come on, baby. Goodbye don't mean gone, okay? I'm not gonna leave my family. Okay, baby, okay. No need to get sore. How about we give me a little more to do in this show, huh? How about a solo? These are small roles, um, but I had so much fun doing them. And I was, I was working with people who I just... You know, they came from celluloid and I was a foot away from them, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you know what's great about that, doing things that you loved and having a great time doing it is that people were watching you yeah. at the same time. You know, one of my favorite experiences um, early in the pandemic when we first started realizing that we could group watch things together, yeah, it was yeah. the Clark Sisters when that premiered. It was so much fun seeing all the ingenue fans come out in full force because there were some people who were almost discovering you through that film while there were so yeah. many other people who were very loud and were like, nope, she's been at this and she's been at this level for years. I don't care what you say. It was just such a really great moment. Um, and I, I would imagine that you felt that you felt that when that was happening. What did that um, what did that mean to you? Yeah, you know, I'm you know, I'm used to sort of playing these parts where, you know, I come in, do my little have my little scene and then I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, there she is and now she's gone. Yeah. And I, you know, for I I don't complain about that, you know, because the, the, I'm in fantastic company and working mm -hmm. with people and doing doing material that like I said that I that I love, you know. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the, the Clark sisters was a, a shot at just being able to just do the fullness of a character for two hours. Mm. Twinkie, you didn't just sell your songs. You sold your future. You sold your sister's future. You sold your children's future. You gonna look back at this day, 20 years from now, you're gonna feel real bad about yourself. And I had an absolute blast playing that. First of all, because I love the Clark sisters, but you know, also because yeah. I had such a profound respect for Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. And mm -hmm. I still think that, uh, you know, people sleep on the Clark sisters. And so I'm I, to, to this day, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, but that happens with black woman genius. We just, you know, we're constantly having to push ourselves to the force, but that's all right because that's what we do. Absolutely. Now, as a, as a native Detroiter, um, everybody back home appreciated that portrayal. They loved it. They thought it was pitch perfect because it was. Um, and now, of course, uh, everyone is talking about King Richard and everyone is talking about you. <laughs> what were you looking for, generally speaking, um, at the point in your career when this role came around and how did that align with um, maybe the directives that you that you put forth, what you were looking for? 
I'm not a very, I'm not a strategist career wise. Mm. You know, things come my way. Um, and if I feel like, you know, first of all, I can have a great time doing this. And what has become incredibly important to me now is because I know that cinema has to be the place where we can really educate this country about who we are because they don't want to see mm. it in the classrooms. So we have to do mm. it in the cinema and we have to do it in television. Um, you know, what I want to do, what I want to be a part of is um, creating a movement that is about making cinema a place where the truth of, of who we are as Americans um, can be told and the fullness mm. and the fullness of that. Um, so that's what is most important to me. Um, mm. And, you know, with with King Richard, you know, people know about Venus and Serena. I knew about Venus and Serena. They are heroes of my life, even though they're much younger than I am. Um, we know about their father, we, but we know about them through the messenger who told us that uh, he was a villain, mm. that, that he was a, a freak, that he was hard to deal with. And so we don't know that we don't know the measure of Mr. Richard Williams as a genius. And what I loved about the approach to this story was that it framed it in a way that you saw and respected this man's genius. Richard, we're doing an interview. What, what she had said, she said it was so much confidence to face time, but you keep going on and on. But you can't just keep interrupting. If you what you to got to understand is you're dealing with the image of a 14 year old child. Let her be a kid. Now she done answered it with a lot of confidence. Leave that alone. You saw how he, along with his wife, a partner, a full partner in what they were going to do and what they did, um, how love was their weapon in creating and building that dream and, and, and putting their girls, these young girls, into a place of, of uh, a world that so readily and easily attacked them. Yeah. So they armed those young women with love. So for me, you know, there I I was chasing this. You know, I, I I wanted to do it. I had to I had to convince them to put me in it. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> the thing about Miss Orsine is that she's just another example of a black woman who we don't know much about so of course we hear things like you know miss orsine is the you know the woman behind the man but that's not what she was miss orsine was the woman right next to the man mm -hmm. and then oftentimes was showing the leadership that her husband could not do richard my faith dictates that i stand by your side right, we'll don't do mistake my silence for agreement you do that again and i won't be quiet now don't do that you know, she was the one who was, you know, working when he couldn't work. Yeah. She was the one putting food on the table. She was the one who trained herself to, to learn tennis so she could teach her daughters how to play tennis. So Mr. Richard was the architect of their dream, mm. but Miss Orsine was the builder. Mm. Orsine 
Because like you say, we're used to seeing her, especially with her daughters in the stands, reading her daughters on, but we don't often get to hear from her a lot. Where did you start when it came to building her? And how challenging was it for you to bring this character um, to life in this way? Well, you know, when I got the job and then had to dive in so far as my, you know, working on the character, and then I started to listen to these recordings that that Will Smith and Zach Balin, our writer and our director, Ronaldo Marcus Green, they did these recordings of her. And so Miss Orsine is on tape talking about her life, talking about her childhood, talking about why she taught Serena how to play, how she played. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, because I did not get to spend time with her while we were shooting and, you know, um, before that, it was what I, it was what, you know, I listened to in the morning, what I went to bed listening to at night. Mm. And then I, Miss, Miss, Miss Orsine is a Jehovah's Witness. So I made sure that I went to a, um, a, a, a worship service mm. um, because she is, she's devout and, you know, her relationship with God, her faith is paramount for her. So these are, those are my, that was my clay. That was my clay. And that's what I pulled from to, you know, create what you're seeing on, on screen. And Miss Orsine, you know, is in this line of women that I've been playing these last few years that, you know, yeah. people don't know about, but it, it is, it, I insist that they do. You know, I had this conversation with someone about Mrs. Hamer, Fannie Lou Hamer recently. And I said mm-hmm. that I went, went, went through 12 years of school I went to four years of undergraduate school at a prestigious university and I majored in African-American studies and, and never, not one day did I learn about Mrs. The, the work that Mrs. Hamer did. Not, not wow. one day, not one day wow. did I learn about yeah. her. And, and when we know the impact that, that, that she has on our electoral lives, that's, that's unacceptable. But here's mm-hmm. the thing. That's that's what I feel that um, my job is, is to change that. And so mm-hmm. when Miss DuVernay says, I want you to play Sharon Salam, the mother of Youssef Salam, I'm mm-hmm. like, bet. <laughs> because this, this, when you talk about directive, right? Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. Is, this is what I feel like, this is my purpose. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm, I'm supposed to do, I feel. Mm-hmm. That said, I mean, you're experiencing a newfound visibility right now. Um, After all the work that you've done since getting your first credits, you're getting a lot of love. I think it probably really started with with Lovecraft. And now that we're transitioning into, um, you know, the film community really embracing your work, what does that feel like for you right now? Um, I don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. I hope it continues because I got, you know, I got stories I want to tell, you know. <laughs> right. And um, so for that reason, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, hopefully we'll be able to align with and collaborate with people who who want to join me yeah. and other other women who are creating this work where, you know, young black girls and women period can see can see themselves yeah. in 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 a way that makes them feel reflected and whole you know yeah you know awards have carried 
so much weight in the past. And Hollywood, you know, it feels like we're at a crossroads right now with with some controversial things still like Oscar So White, which is still in our collective consciousness and the Golden Globes. And full disclosure, I'm a new uh, member of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And that voting body obviously is still trying to currently rectify some racially problematic issues, amongst other things. But you even look at um, box office numbers. Um, we have to rethink you know, how we define success because the pandemic has most certainly changed a lot of that for mm-hmm. us. But all that said, um, how do you measure success for yourself? How do you know when you've done a good job these days? I really want to sound eloquent here. Yeah. I really, really do. Yeah. But I I feel like maybe transparency is probably more important. Absolutely. I don't know. Um, My measure of that is not with me anymore. My measure of that was my mother. And because, you know, I, I knew when she was satisfied and when she was not. Yeah. Uh, I knew when she was proud, she was always proud of me. She was always proud of me, yeah. <laughs> you know, to my, to my embarrassment sometimes, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know because I feel, I feel like, you know, I, I know why, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it, for those reasons that we talked about, but knowing whether I have succeeded at that or not, um, Awards certainly can't be the measure of that right? because they are utterly subjective. But the reality of them is that, you know, having my name next to those two other words, so-and-so nominated, it helps my paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) It helps me get indoors. It helps me, you know, for all kinds of reasons that I'm sure you you, you are well aware. Yeah. But what I have, what I'm trying to learn is, what real success is. So is it my my sister being proud? Is it my niece and nephew watching my movies or watching something I've been in over and over? But is it really, you know, my being able to take that check that I get from that job and convert that into something that helps somebody else? Mm. And I think that's I think that's that is going to be the long-term measure of 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 my success. At least I know that. But on some yeah. days, I gotta say, it 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 um that feeling I, it, it's hard to it's hard to pin down, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, last question before I let you go. I I know that it's early still, <laughs> you know, meaning this um this new kind of season of of amplification for you. But how is this recent recognition that is coming in the way of? award nomination after award nomination after award nomination changed how you will move, um, you know, in the future? I think that remains to be seen. <laughs> mm. So much in this world remains to be seen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know like my sister sent me this text the other day and it, it said, um, somebody tweeted, I've been, I just need to get through the rest of this weekend for the last two years. And and she's like, I feel that in my spirit. And I'm like, yes, I feel that in my spirit where it's just like, oh, can we just get through this week? Can we just get through this day? So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare, you know, having any sort of designs on, you know, what, what the future is going to bring. I just want us to be here for us to, for us to enjoy it. But what I will do in the meantime, as an act of faith, Mm. how about that? 
as an active thing. Okay. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep working, keep keep trying to tell these stories that I think are, are so important to tell. Please do, yeah. because those Ingenue Ellis fans are going to come out in full force, <laughs> as they did two years ago. Uh, thank you so much for doing this uh, today. I really appreciate it. And continued success. It's really exciting to see this journey in this season for you right now. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you wanting to talk to me. It means a lot to me. It does. Is she kidding me? Who doesn't want to talk to Ingenue Ellis? Next up after the break, I talk with two of those Ingenue fans about her consistency and how it's now really paying off. That's after the break. The best thing anyone can ever say to someone like me in an interview is something like, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and let my guard down. Because yes, that's exactly what I want. And that's exactly what I got with Anjanu Ellis. She's such an exceptional talent and a really great interview. Now I want to bring in two entertainment reporters who also happen to be good friends of mine. Carla Renata, aka the Curvy Film Critic and entertainment director at The Griot and host of the podcast, Acting Up, Courtney Wills. Hi, ladies. Hey. Hey, Kelly. Now, I know that this is not us sitting at the HBO dinner at Sundance Film Festival, drinking hot toddies, which I clearly could use one right now, and hollering at the cast of Insecure Cutting Up. (laughs) But I have a feeling this will be just as fun. Are you guys ready? Oh, yeah. Yes, ma'am. All right, let's do it. I want to talk about Anjanu Ellis, obviously, and I want to go around and hear what you guys thought of her performance and King Richard. Uh, let's start with you, uh, Carla. What'd you think? Now, you know, I am the last of the Ingenue Ellis fans, mostly because we're girlfriends and we go way, 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 way back yeah. to when we were both acting in New York. But her performance in King Richard is unparalleled, in my opinion. It takes a lot of talent and it takes a lot of presence to have one scene where you crush it for the entire movie. Yeah. That one scene that she has in the kitchen as Miss Orsine, yeah. where she's talking to Mr. Richard about how he didn't raise them girls and, and train those girls by himself was everything. I fixed Serena's serve because you messed that up. You did what? Yes, I fixed that toss because you messed it up. Mm-hmm. I'm here, I've been here, dreaming and believing just like you. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to see me. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, when Viola Davis in was in Doubt. Yes, yes. And she had that one scene. She was in a movie with Meryl Streep, but when you left Doubt, what did you talk about? Viola, Viola Davis. Davis. It's the same thing with King Richard. Yeah, yeah. I thought that too. What about you, Courtney? What'd you think? Same. I mean, that kitchen scene was everything in that movie for me. I was, the first time I watched it, I remember like pausing and calling my husband in and being like, look at Ingenue. Just... She just, you know, grew 12 inches. It just seemed like she <laughs> soared over everyone and everything else happening for a bit. And it just, there's moments where you realize that you're witnessing something truly profound. And that that was one for me, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you on that. I want to know specifically with, with Anjanou, because we know how this thing goes. I think all of us probably knew that she was going to get the Oscar nomination. Whether or not she wins, I think, is a different conversation. But let's start there, though. What do you think her chances are of winning, Carla? 
I think her chances are pretty great, actually, yeah. because if if people if the Oscar voters are going with the performance sure. and the strength of the performance alone, then she has a great chance of winning. If it's some other political stuff that's coming into play, then her chances, like you said, will quickly diminish and become a little bit of a of a dark horse. But what I will say is that most women that have, most black women, let me just clarify, most black women that have that type of performance in the best supporting category almost always win, yeah. almost always. Yeah. You know, um, Octavia Spencer won. Monique won. It's almost always the person that is in the best supporting category that wins. I think Viola Davis has won best supporting too. Well, you know what? She did not win for doubt. No. She did win for Fences. She should have won for doubt. But like you said, and I thought this was so important, is that if you guys remember this, and I know you do, when Meryl Streep got up on stage, yes. she literally spent the entirety of her time talking about Viola Davis, and then she instructed Hollywood and said this, get this woman a film. Like, it's insane that you have this incredible talent that, and she's not leading a cast. And I feel like whether or not Ingenue wins this award, this is going to be very transformative with regard to her career because it's gonna be that same kind of feeling. Get this woman a film. Let her lead a film. Let her build on what she's already done with King Richard and show us that she can carry something. Courtney, what do you think about her chances to win? Do I hope that she wins? Absolutely. Do I think that she will? I'm just not sure yet. Yeah. I think some of the politics at play that we're usually hoping won't be a factor might end up working in her favor especially because she did not receive any nominations at the SAG Awards for this role. Um, I don't think that King Richard is going to sweep in all of its categories. And yeah. if there's one trophy that this movie should take home, I think it's Ingenue's. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about King Richard as a whole, as a film? I think that movie is so very important for a few reasons. The first reason being that it is showing another side of the Venus and Serena story is focusing on her parents, plural, not her father, but both parents, the mother and the father. And it's showing just how integral and how much of a, a staying power their mother was in that whole process, which oftentimes was ignored or not spoken of at all. It also shows black people in a positive light. Black people, a house full of, a house full <laughs> of black women and one man in the whole house Oof. where he is trying to raise queens. Can I tell you a secret? Your sister is going to be number one in the whole world, no doubt about it. I know that. But you, you're going to be the best there ever was. You're going to be the greatest of all time. He's trying to raise them in a manner that's not going to send them down a road of despair for the rest of their life. And I think that is an important image for Hollywood to see because so often on screen, they're showing us in a negative stereotype yeah. role yeah. and or it's a slave movie. So, you know, it's important for those two reasons. That's very true. Courtney, what are your thoughts about King Richard? I think King Richard is you know, enormously important for all of those reasons that Carla just mentioned and so many more. I think it has all the ingredients that it takes for me to see a movie mm. and go, the Academy is going to respond to this. It has like all of the right elements that make it 
um, a movie that will be nominated and favored, I think it could have been better. And I didn't see that extra hour. And I I can't help but wonder if Mm. there was something in there that I wish would have made it. I remember thinking, like, this is this is really good, but it could have been great. And if I'm Mm. honest, I don't know that it hit that for me. I think among the rest, I think among the rest, it stood out. I don't think it was a fantastic year for cinema. All we want is honesty on this podcast, Courtney. So I definitely, (laughs) I definitely appreciate that. I want to switch gears a little bit because in other Oscar news, this will mark the first time in 35 years the event has ever had this many hosts and the first time ever this many women will anchor this show. What do you guys think about Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall leading us in this Oscars telecast? Uh, Courtney, let's start with you on that. I love this lineup. I think it's going to be so entertaining. These women individually are hilarious. And together, I just can't imagine what what they're going to serve up to us. Uh, Regina is such a jack of all trades. She is so, her range is so wide that she can do anything. And the fact that we get to see these three ladies kind of take the helm of a show that's traditionally been a little snoozy, um, it makes me hopeful that we're going to have a really good time. Yeah. What about you, Carla? I am down for the dolls. I am down for the dolls taking the reins. I get so tired of seeing men host everything all the time. And not only are we getting a woman, but we're getting three of them. And we're getting three of the the top women in the comedic field from all different spectrums. I'm, I'm just down for all of it. And you know what I'm also really down for is this kind of rise of Regina Hall. Like... I think this is going to be such a big stage for her. We've seen her do something similar, like with the BET, when they did did a special show at the beginning of the pandemic. And she led it and was so great, so funny, so gracious. But I'm excited to see what she does on this Oscar stage because she's amazing. I'm I I don't know if I'm looking forward or not looking forward, however, to like all the editorials of who is this fantastic Regina Hall as if she just manifested kind of similar to Anjanu, right? Like, what do you? Yeah, that's wild to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you on that. Please, please, for the love of God, no one writes stories about who is Regina Hall. (laughs) Go back. I'm gonna help you guys out on this one. Go back and watch The Best Man and watch her as Candy in her first film appearance. Come on, Daddy. How Candy. Start there and then just spend the next, you know, I don't know, couple weeks going over the last two decades of work that she's given us over the years. And may I add an asterisk to what you're saying? And please don't confuse Regina Hall with Regina King. Please. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't. (laughs) Please don't. We're over that. Please don't do that. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you so much, Carla, for joining in today and and being honest. It's my pleasure. Yep, yep. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this show, leave us a rating and review it. Each one counts. And follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Next up on Close Up. That moment was the most afraid I have ever been on a stage. (laughs) Lin-Manuel Miranda stops by and we get up close and personal. He tells me stories I'd never heard before and haters don't hate. 
but even sings for me. What? Chocolate crepes, chocolate crepes. The almost EGOT winner who just needs that O, Lin-Manuel Miranda, joins me. That's next time on Close Up. Close Up is a production of ABC Audio. It's produced by Vika Aronson, Carrie Ann Thomas, and David Toledo with help from Matt Wolf, Josh Cohan, Brenda Salinas Baker, Ariel Chester, Mary Pat Thompson, Elizabeth Russo, and Stacia Dashishko. Lakia Brown is our senior producer, and Liz Alessi is our executive producer. Talk soon.